Interested in real estate? How about wealth? Well, they go hand in hand. And here, you'll learn all about it. Welcome to Be The Bank, a podcast where we discuss and debate the topics centered around real estate investing. Your host, Justin Bogard, shares insights into investing in real estate to create real wealth and passive income for you and your family. He'll share stories of real estate investments done right, walk you through the process of owning a real estate note, and most importantly, educate you so you can be the bank. This is Be The Bank, brought to you by Bright Path Notes. Now, here's your host, Justin Bogard. Where'd I go? There I am. <laughs> Those of you watching the video cast, you probably saw there was no camera up there. So I'm here. Episode number 21, Justin Bogard, your host. Interest rates are up. Equity is getting lower. And people are finding it more challenging to buy their home. All this and more. We've got Richard Thornton on the call today. We'll see you guys soon. Hey, Richard. Mr. Bogard, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. I got a, a Costco errand running this morning, so I got all the snacks that I need now and had a little bit of lunch there as well, so it's kind of nice. I, I like going so to Costco. So you're gonna, you're gonna, addiction. you're gonna be a gamer this weekend, right? Meaning not a video games. <laughs> you're gonna be watching the uh, Broncos and everybody else. The Broncos? How dare you say that when I'm wearing a Colts well, what, hat? What today? kind of hat does that have on? You got a horseshoe. It's on your a Colts. It's an Indianapolis Colts. Oh, They're the man. other horse team. Well, you can tell how much I follow it. I mean, I live in Indianapolis, Richard. Come on. Oh, that's right. There okay, are some Broncos fans here. Anyway, they just had a game not too long ago. Um, as we're recording this, this is October 14th. They had a game a week, uh, over, a little over a week ago, about eight days ago at Denver where they they won. Good deal. Anywho, Richard, um, you are a man with a thousand made-up words. <laughs> okay. You say the word spiff. And yes. That word spiff has me thinking, what does spiff mean? Is it in the Webster's Dictionary? Is it a Richard made-up word? Is this a note term that I've never even heard of before? And uh, we were talking offline. This is why both of us are laughing, because I was teasing him and going, is this is this a real word? Because I've heard you say it a few times, and I didn't, I maybe, I didn't want to sound too dumb if it is. So <laughs> what did you say? The word spiff. Well, so in real estate, a spiff can be a, a small commission that you get. Mm -hmm. So on the trade stocks, something like that, you're looking for, uh, you, you you might get a price of, of 101. So there's a premium price, 100 plus one, um, and a spiff on top of that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Some people call it a kicker. Some people call it a bonus. Richard calls it a spiff. That's right. There you go. Now, I, I may be the only one, but. That's okay. It's legit. It's real. You've set the bar. You have proven conceptually that this is a real thing. So now the word spiff now, should now be used it wouldn't by be the first time all. that I'm wouldn't be the first time that I've been accused of being off of my own world. <laughs> Out of touch. Yeah, we, we won't get too far into that. Okay. What's okay. the interest rate today? Uh, you know, I think the the uh, thirty year, unfortunately, according to a bank rate, is a little over seven. Percent seven point eight, and and uh, and rising. Okay, fifty-year national average seven point seven seven percent. Is that right? 
Something like that. Seven point seven. I've heard seven point seven and seven point two, but yes, it's right in that right in that bracket. And the Fed is saying, uh, or maybe it's rumored saying, but um, that they're going to raise rates probably three quarters in on the November second meeting, um, and then again in December. So we could be over eight percent um, for a thirty-year rate uh, closing the closing the year end. And you feel that it's going to go up that much of a jump because of how low we were in the past? Well, because of how low we were in the past, I mean, I think it's pretty common knowledge that um, the Fed kept the rates low to keep the economy going and also to keep Mm -hmm. their cost of borrowing down, but also to keep the economy going because of the pandemic because that was uh, utter chaos uh, for a while. Um, but uh, if you read um, I don't know, any of the news sources today, uh, the economy, inflation is, is not under um, management yet. Uh, OPEC is going to uh, reduce um, production once again. Uh, they're mm-hmm. saying that they're going to cut it by another 2 million barrels, which means they are playing to Russia and playing against the U.S., which means okay. that oil prices are going to go up even higher. Okay. Uh, and honestly, I think we're probably, and I don't think I'm too far out there um, from saying that we will have, we'll have, if we're not in a recession already, we will have a recession next year. Uh, okay. And so until things quiet down, yeah, they've still got to keep the pressure on. Gotcha. That makes sense. Interest rates were low, extremely low, especially during COVID. They've been low for a while. I'd say probably sub 4% for at least, it feels like six, seven years, right? Right. <clears throat> and so home equity um, got larger during COVID because the appreciation of home prices just skyrocketed through the roof. Right. So a lot of people took advantage of home equity line of credits or what we call HELOCs at low rates. I've seen them reached as low as under 2%, like 1.9, 1.8%. You may have seen lower or different, but that's a really good rate for a HELOC. So definition that that I see as a HELOC or that I've been, been told, I don't personally have a HELOC right now, but you pretty much borrow against your house, the equity in your house, and the bank gives you um, a line of credit. And they say, right. okay, if you have hundred thousand dollars worth of equity left, we're gonna we're gonna give you so much. Let's just say fifty thousand dollars. Let's make the the math kind of simple here. Fifty percent of the equity that you have built into it, and that fifty thousand dollars is to like a kind of like a revolving line of credit, except you do have to pay it back, right? But it's on interest only payments, so actually the payment's a little bit lower and more affordable. So a lot of people take advantage of that because the appreciation of their house went through the roof. They fixed their house up. They did some landscaping. They had some things done to it. They did some remodeling. They paid off some debt, some student debt, some credit card debt, anything that was a high interest accruing debt that they had, a liability, and they paid it off. Uh, so that's great, right? Except typically paycheck to paycheckers, Richard, they're probably going to end up racking up that credit card bill again, right? Again. Right. That, that and that HELOC that they got it at maybe 2 or 3%. Um, was probably over a six-month floating rate or less. And it's right now probably up at six and a half or seven percent. So it's costing them significantly more than when they took out the money originally. 
Yeah. And hopefully they had a guaranteed rate for, you know, rate lock for five to 10 years. <laughs> uh, not with a HELOC. Sometimes they, they can rate lock for a certain amount of time. Typically what I've seen HELOCs is a year. It's usually a year that um, they recycle it and then they, they figure out what prime is and maybe under prime or over prime or wh- however they figure it out. But I've seen the local regional banks that we, we deal with here. I've seen that. I don't know what the big banks do, Richard. Maybe you have more insight of that, but the local banks here, they, they were pretty much recycling it every year. Right. So you got to pay it back. You got to pay back that, that debt that you borrowed. So um, those that can manage their money, those, those debt, those debt uh, items can be vehicles or be weapons for you, right? You can go right. out and you can take care of damage with other high interest uh, earning debt, pay off some other car loans, camper loans, motorcycle loans, boat loans, anything that was a higher interest rate <clears throat> than what you were paying with your uh, loan that you were getting. You, you just trim that down pretty quickly. A lot of people leapfrog that AM schedule with the HELOC, right? They just borrow as much as they can, they put it down against the principal. They, they leapfrog down their amortization schedule. So then they still, still keep paying their payments and they're make, paying the, the loan back and it works out great for them because they can shave off Richard probably, you know, 10, 10 years or so on a 30 year AM. They do it from the beginning. Right. And um, I don't want to get us uh, too uh, off track here, but I listened to a very uh, interesting discussion from an economist yesterday. Okay. That uh, actually, my own experience bore this out. I didn't realize I was part of something that was uh, more widely known. All right. But he did a report uh, or did a study that went back 30 years and it compared okay. floating rates, like you would get on a HELOC, to fixed. Because mm-hmm. obviously, everybody likes a fixed rate mortgage. They, they, well, when it's a good rate, right? They want a floating rate when it's really high, like the 8%ers, right? Right. Right. Um, <clears throat> But uh, an argument can be made against that, and that's what he was doing. And he said, okay. look, if you really index over LIBOR or something like that that's less, and you look at your overall cost on a 30-year basis, um, if you fix your rate, so let's say your payments were at a lower lower floating rate, were about two or $300, but you say, all right, I'm going to pay $500 or whatever whatever your fixed rate would have been at that time. And you continue to pay that in. Not only will you have paid down your principal quicker, but you will have paid far less interest overall, even if rates go up. And I, you know, my own experience when I had a mortgage, I don't have a mortgage anymore in my house, but when I did bore that out, I paid two and a half percent for years when everybody else was paying six and 7% on a fixed rate and I was able to pay off my debt much quicker. So that's just a little note for your listeners to, to think about. Um, realize it's I, not quite on target here, but I thought it was a very interesting point. Yeah. Just, just a little sidebar to that. So you're, you're sawing down the principal as our mentor would say, you're just, you're trying to saw it down as quick as you can with the lowest interest rate that you can. If you can pay more on it, that's all the better to you. As the idea is for you not to pay that much interest, but to borrow somebody else's money to pay down whatever your asset is or whatever your uh, personal asset is, like a you know a boat, motorcycle, car, what have you, a non non real estate type of asset. Right, right. Yeah. So what what else did you learn, Richard? I know you had had studied um, recently one of one of the people that we respect in the business, and they were talking a lot about. What's going on in the state of industry today? We talk about the interest rate, the affordability factor and things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, in general, with rates where they are right now, even if they don't go up, uh, depending on the market that you're in, 
uh, and you know, rates are are different in different markets. Uh, people have lost in general anywhere from 25 to 40 percent of their buying power due to the increase of rates. So if you go back to say last uh, May or something like that, compare where rates where they um, where they were. The Fed really started hiking its rates on right mm -hmm. about June 13th. Uh, and look at where they are now. I'm an expensive market here in California. If people were going to buy a, uh, a a million dollar home, that now means that if you just do the rate change in the way they would qualify, they can only buy a house that's uh, ranging in price from 600000 to 750 that's right. That means that, that means the, yeah, their income has stayed the same. Nothing changed, but the interest rate and the interest rate caused them to lose buying power. That's basically like a bedroom out in California because it's so expensive out there, right? It's good that's for, right. You're that's going right. for a four bedroom now. You got a three bedroom, maybe maybe well, a half bath. Yeah, that's a, half a good bath way to look at it. And, it. and you're in a whole different part of town, and yeah. it's a whole different. I mean, it's a whole yeah. different bag. You have to accept that accept the fact that this is reality now. So those that took advantage of the low rates a few years ago and, and bought some property before it went all crazy, um, they're going to be sitting there for a while. They're going to be right. sitting there for a while. So right. they, they, there's, they're sitting very well in their situation for that. But they also, if they decide to sell, they're kind of trapped. They're like, okay, I'm used to paying a 2% rate or whatever their rate is. And now they got to pay a seven and a half percent rate on another mortgage. Like it's, it's pretty intimidating. So they, they don't have an excitement to want to move. Right, right. So uh, I think that we're just looking at at uh, a lot of people are going to be um, pulling their houses off market because mm -hmm. they don't want to sell them because for less. Right. Uh, so that's going to slow everything down and, yep. and make uh, prices drop uh, overall in general. So it's a little bit of a double whammy. Do you think the inventory will get tighter then? I do. That might cause uh, a spike in real estate maybe. I, I can see it go both directions, Richard. Yeah, it might, but you know, with rates being where they are, um, I just don't see any spikes come along for a while here. It'll be interesting. Maybe it's micro market specific. Certain areas might see that. Overall, I think I agree with you. I don't. I don't think it'll it'll, it'll rise that much at all. I think it'll start it's continue to cool back down to what normalcy is, and the market will tell us what normalcy is. It'll tell right. us when it when it's balanced. Right. So, I mean, in general, um, I think investors are going to be looking for more security. Mm -hmm. uh, as we have said, in a down market, security sells. In an right. up market, sexy sells. Right. Uh, up market, you feel like you can take that chance. But yeah. when things are going down, you, you, you want to you hunker down. So yep. that would mean that things like notes that we invest in, <clears throat> excuse me, and that kind of stuff um, is – Actually, I'm not going to say people are going to be able to get premiums for them, but I think the demand is going to increase. Definitely. It's high security. It's one of the highest securities that you can get out there without actually having to own an asset. Right. Even if you're buying a non-performing note, and we, we will see a lot of more non-performing notes, I, I think in general, uh, the at one point, maybe a year uh, ago, we thought we were going to be hit by this tsunami of foreclosures right. and things like that. I remember that. Right. And I think more people are more now saying, uh, gosh, it's not going to be a tsunami. It's going to be more like a raise in tide. 
um, mm. where you've got uh, a a slow, constant increase uh, because pe- banks aren't foreclosing all at once and people are finding some alternatives. In general, uh, some people have been saved by the higher equity that they have had in their house, so they mm. haven't gotten foreclosed on. They've been able to refi or, or whatever. But um, right now, there's supposed to be over a million, a million houses that are in foreclosure, according to Black, Black Knight. And I think some of the information that you came up with said that there are 2.8 million or something like that that are sort of in the pre-foreclosure. I can't remember exactly what stat you had. Uh, the other day. I don't think it was up that high. I remember what Richard's referring to is the broadcast, the live broadcast we did on October 12th, I think it was, Wednesday, is it 11th or 12th? What's today? Today is a Friday when we're recording, so the 13th. So yeah, 12th, two, about two days ago. And there was a half a million in active foreclosure of just the forbearance COVID-related mortgages. Doesn't mean all more, just the, the 8.3 million that were in forbearance. Right. Which isn't very many. No. So that means 90 plus percent of the loans that went into forbearance because of COVID have came out really unscathed. Like Richard said, we had a ton of appreciation. So people were able to sell their house and make money. If they got in trouble with their mortgage, they couldn't pay it. They could sell their house and still make money. They could refinance their mortgage to a lower payment because at the time the, the interest rates were starting to creep down even lower. They could refinance, which pays off that mortgage and they get a new mortgage on it. So every all the, the data looked very good. The forbearances didn't look nearly as bad as it did. So we kind of came out unscathed in my opinion for just that data set. And there's a whole other set of numbers, Richard, and you know this, of these legacy loans before COVID that were already in trouble. They got paused for two years during COVID and now they're unpaused and they're starting to flush through. And that's what Richard is referring to. Those are are in abundance right now. And those could be a couple million. Right. Right. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I mean, um, Obviously, you and I are setting up a fund, uh, getting mm-hmm. queued up to um, to invest um, in that. And if anybody's interested, just uh, reach out and, and uh, contact either one of us because <clears throat> I think it's going to be an exciting time uh, and uh, we're all going to get good returns on it. But, um, yeah, I think, I think um, as always, there's going to be a lot of opportunities, but there's going to be some more opportunities coming than there ordinarily would. This is what I like about real estate and specifically the note business, Richard, is because through any economic real estate cycle that I've seen, and I haven't been in the business too long, but as far as investing for myself, it's been a little under 10 years, but I've seen some interesting things. I've, I've lived through the real estate debacle of, you know, the 08, 09, 10 era. Uh, Personally, I wasn't investing at the time, but I lived through it. So I understand through a certain lens, what that looked like. And now when I hear the stories from some of the people that have lived through that investing wise that are more mature and more seasoned than we are in the real estate uh, note world, you know, they told us about things and we saw how mortgages were so far underwater, meaning the property value is lower than what they owe the bank as far as principal balance. Now we were seeing the opposite people getting forbearances and now people going through foreclosure to where their property value is worth more then what they owe the bank plus arrearages plus you know all the legal legal collectible balance that they put on there so it's it's very interesting time it's almost like the complete opposite type of a non-performer you've got an underwater non-performer 
and you got a uh, above water non-performer. I'm not sure what you want want to call the, the latter of the two. So it's just a very interesting time. So what I'm trying to say, Richard, is that no matter what economic cycle that we're in for real estate, especially the note business, it seems to be an always a great place to land your money or be have that be a part of your tool and your tool belt to be a part of. I agree. And I think we're in a little bit of a lull now and okay. that we're you know, waiting for the, the, the market to change. Um, and that's a good thing. I think we've used the analogy of a, of a surf of surfing here a, a couple of times. Yeah. And uh, it's like the surfer who's sitting out there. And uh, if he's not too sure of him or herself, um, they may take a couple baby waves and just ride those in and get used to the, whatever the, you know, the day is like there and then sit there and wait for uh, those big ones to come in. So um, I think it's a great time for anybody to uh, get some dry powder, meaning save up some money, um, uh, pay down your other debts, do whatever you can, uh, and uh, maybe make one or two small investments in real estate or, or whatever and get those done um, because prices are going to drop um, uh, for a lot of the notes that we have uh, and the profits are going to be bigger. We just have to be ready to, to seize on the day when it's come. It's a little bit of carpe diem. Yeah. Let's... Uh... Let's get real for a minute, Richard. Want to get okay. real? Let's get, get real. Let's get real. Okay. If you watch in any investing that anyone does for any type of investing, we're not just talking about real estate and anything. The people that are the most excited, the people that are most anxious, the people that are most new to that type of investing or investing in general, they typically get a little um, active too early. And so if you notice, if you pay attention to the really smart stock market guys and you go in when they go in, that's the best time to go in. When you watch some of these, these older players in real estate and the note world and you watch when they go in on stuff, that's when you should go in. The, the, you know, in a game of chess, you want to send like your pawns out there first, right? To, to get taken out because that's, that's your pawn. That's your, 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 your lowest uh, soldier, if you will, on, on the battlefield. So they, that gets taken up first. So that's, that's kind of what's going to happen. I think with this next cycle is that it's going to be very easy for people to be wanting to get involved in the game, thinking that there's not going to be, that there's going to be scarcity with these non-performing loans. And to a certain degree there might be, but I think like you said it best, Richard, it's going to be like a slow drip or a slow, a trickle of water throughout a couple of years to where it'll be a nice, even amount of non-performers flowing through every single month. And there's going to be, you know, more than enough for people to chew on. So that's kind of my advice that I'm telling you or anyone else that's going to listen to me, of course, is I, I, that. I don't know if anybody is going to listen to you. That's okay. I got the microphone and no one else does <laughs> right now. So you have to listen to every word I say. Okay. <laughs> I say, wait. I say when you see him come through, I say wait. I like your analogy with the serving thing. I know we brought it up a couple days ago, but the waves come in sets of three. Right. Right. You you take the last wave in that set. It's typically going to be the best one for you if you're looking for the big wave to ride. Right. So I don't know if you have those uh, have these out uh, in Indiana, but for those who are visually impaired here, whenever you uh, cross the street and you hit the uh, hit the button that uh, crosswalk button. Wave, that's right. This okay. little nasal voice comes on that says, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> like that. Like with the red hand. 
it's the red flashing. So that's flashing. That's right. So wait, um, wait, wait. That's what that that's our advice today is to wait, wait. Caution. Just that's just right. think of a yellow tape running across at a diagonal on all your investment that just says caution. Just wait. Just wait a little bit. It's a yellow light. You'll know when it's a green light because everyone else has already been in it, and the bigger players are starting to come through. That's right. All right, Richard. Great podcast today. Thanks for being on. This is episode number 21 brought to you by Bright Path Notes, who is our sponsor. And uh, that's all the time we got, my man. I know it was short. It feels like we get on for a couple minutes when it's actually really like 20 or 30 minutes long. Fun as always. I appreciate it. And I'm intending to have a good weekend. I hope you're able to uh, watch a couple games. I certainly will. We got some work to do this weekend um, on some personal things, but we will get that knocked out so we can have some fun time. Maybe do a pumpkin patch. I I don't know. I hope so. Did you buy popcorn? We did. Good we man. did buy popcorn. All right. Got to have popcorn for those games. All right, buddy. I'll right, talk to you soon. Mm, bye. Thanks for listening to Be The Bank. We hope you learned something from today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us. Plus, check out our Bright Path Notes channel on YouTube and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Be The Bank and on Instagram at Be The Bank Podcast. Be the Bank is sponsored by Bright Path Notes. Thanks again for listening.